0: We are continuing our series entitled Consequences, and uh, last week we had Denise come up, part of our uh, wonderful preaching team, and she uh, followed on from Kev's message the week before that. And this series, um, you know, it didn't even occur to me, I actually picked that title, but, but, you know, Denise said something, you know, she said, you know, when you're thinking about consequences, you normally think of something negative. You know, you say to your kids, if you do that, there'll be consequences. And I never even thought about that. For me it was just uh, you know it just shows you how you know how dumb I am but it it, it was just you know I want to know uh, in response to the cross and in response to the resurrection I want to say so what? I want to find out what that means for us. What are the consequences of that? For me how does that apply? And so we felt that we would do three or four weeks it's not comprehensive We've tried to pick things that are a little less than obvious, just to sort of get us thinking and savoring, savoring and and reflecting on what uh, Jesus Christ has done for us in his work upon the cross and his resurrection. So I'm going to pray now, and then we'll get straight into it. Heavenly Father, I just want to say, please, would you ask the Holy Spirit to come and to open our hearts and our minds to do your work amongst us? And Father, we want to say thank you because you, Lord, have made this way open for us. It was your initiative, it was your idea, it was your, con- your, your, your consideration that, that means that we can know you as our Lord and our Savior. And we want to savor every single element of that. So open up our hearts and minds to receive your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Okay, uh, please do listen to Denise's and Kev's talk. If you miss them, it will bless you. Uh, check them out on the podcast or the videocasts. And last week, excuse me, I'm just going to cough. <coughs> excuse me. Um, last week, uh, Denise looked at uh, John chapter 10, verse 10. Let's just throw that up on the screen. Uh, and uh, it's a very, very... telling little verse the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I have come this is Jesus speaking I have come that they may have life and have it to the full and they being you us the thief comes to steal but I have come that you may have life I was so struck by what Denise said, I bunged her a little email during the week and just said, I just want to say thank you. I I, I got something more out of what you were sharing. You know, the thief comes to steal, and how does the thief come to steal? How does he rob us of our standing in Christ? Well, he comes with lies. He says to you, he whispers to you, you know, you 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 fall into the trap of comparison. You compare yourself with others. You can, com- or we compare ourselves with others. We compare ourselves with that so you know that person who appears to be so spiritual. Or if you're not uh, you know in faith yet, you, if you're not in that place where you would dare call yourself a Christian, um, you know, uh, th- then you will you will disqualify yourself. And the enemy comes and speaks lies to us, and he says, you know, there's no hope for you. You're different. This is all very well but they're not like you, You, for you there's no hope, you're no good, you're no use, nobody cares. The enemy comes and steals up upon us in order to steal the hope that we have within us. He says you're hopeless, you're stupid, you're fat, you're ugly, you're a nobody. He suppresses and works and undermines the hope that we have within us. He says, you'll never amount to anything. He says, you're cursed, you're lost. He comes and whatever, wherever our little area of insecurity, and we all have them is, he will come and he will work on that. And he's been doing it for eons. He's good at it. He is the father of lies but it is a lie, say that with me, it is a lie. All of that may have truth in it, which is why it sticks, there may be an element in which you are, you know, there is, there is an element of truth in it. You may, you know, have not been born to prince so and so, whatever, but, but what happens is the enemy begs, begs it up, in order to try and convince us that it's true and it disqualifies us. But the truth in that little verse is that Jesus says, I have come that they may have life. I have come that they may have life. You know, God's purpose when in sending in son, Luke 19.10, which is one of my, one of many, one of my favorite verses. Luke 19.10, I'm not gonna flip it up, it just says, you know, the reason the Son of God came was uh, to seek and to save the lost. In 1 John, he says, the reason the Son of God came was to undo the works of the enemy. These lies, these things we've lived under, these, these words sometimes of people in authority that have undermined us and, and, and just brought us down, the Lord Jesus comes to work on those things and to, and to completely destroy them. He comes that we may have life, a life in all of its fullness. John 10.10. 10. And you know, as I said, Denise did a, a great job on that. And I want to just pause on this a moment. This is all part of the introduction. But I also want to say, you know, the Scriptures are full of... Of promises about how God has the power to deal with our stuff. God has the power to deal with our stuff. One of my again another favourite verse of mine is uh, Ephesians one eighteen to twenty one. Let's just throw that up on the screen, please, if if you if you can do that for me. Here we go, in a wonderful prayer of Paul's at the beginning of, the, uh, of the, the book. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The eyes of your heart, your inner thing. The eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. He wants this hope to go deep so it will not be shifted by the lies of the enemy and the riches of his glorious inheritance and in his holy people. Now it goes on to say, and his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength that raised Jesus from the dead. Pause there. You know, you may think, you may have believed the enemy, you may have thought to yourself, yeah, you know, I am hopeless. I know. You don't have to tell me, don't ride me on that. I know. I know what I'm like. I know this is my weakness of mine, etc., etc., etc. And we begin to work with the enemy we, to disqualify ourselves. But the truth of the matter is this, that the God's spirit is at work in you. You are God's workmanship. And what God has done is that he has sent the, self, the self-same spirit to work in you that raised Jesus from the dead. Now think about that for a moment. The power of God that was at work in Jesus is at work in you. Now all of that, all of that is by way of preparation for the main push of what I want to say. It's not a, not a it's, it's magnificent and huge, but it's not going to take much time to say I want to say this, you are a new creation. You are a new creation. God has done something in you that is unique to you. He hasn't just patched you up. He hasn't just sort of done a quick once over to make you presentable so that you can come to church and no one will guess what you really like. He knows what we're like, but what God has done, he's not, he's not just ignoring it or saying, okay, it doesn't matter, let's move on, da-da-da-da, let's forget that ever happened. God, that's not what God does. What God in Christ has done is that he has done a new thing in us. He has made us completely new. Now, as I've often told you, I'm a member of, in fact, Trevor and I are a member of the same car club, and uh, there are some very, Beautiful cars in in our car club. Just going to have another cough. (coughs) By the way, do you like my handkerchief? It's a Christmas pud handkerchief. Darling, can I have a fresh one for next week? (laughs) Four months. That's been quite good, that one. Four months. I've had the same hanky. Right. Trevor and I we were in this car club, and uh, you know, truthfully, there's some, they're, they're all triumphs, and there are some beautiful cars there. What I didn't realize was when I joined the club, just the lengths that some of these guys will go to. Many of the cars are what is called concourse condition. Now that's a technical term. They are actually better than the way they came off the end of the production line up there in Coventry, however many years ago. And they put these cars into competitions. And the judges go round with mirrors on sticks looking at the underneath of the car. And they will pour over the engine and they will say, that's the wrong nut. Or that's... that that little bit of rubber flashing is missing. Or, wait a minute, I think he's got the 64 wipers in that and not the 63. It's bizarre. But these machines, as far as it is possible to achieve perfection, are perfection. The nuts are all lined up in the same way. You know the, the the screw heads are all aligned. They are incredible. It used to be that people who entered into these competitions would not drive them. They would not put oil or water or anything in them like that in case they dripped. They would put them on a trailer. They were called trailer queens, and they would be taken to these show places and pushed off and examined and hopefully win. Now they've introduced laws so that you have to drive, at least have to drive them there, so they have to have fluids in. All of that is to say this. These cars are extraordinary. I don't know what it says about the owners, but they are extraordinary. They are as close to perfection as can be. Now when I started driving, the first car I had was a Morris 1000. Anybody remember those? Three of us. Yeah, great. (laughs) Let me rephrase that. Um, The first car I ever had was a Volkswagen GTI. Anybody remember those? Yeah, that's better. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll opt with that option. Forget what I said about the first one. Now, this Morris Minor I had, uh, it cost me. You know, it was a good one. It cost me forty-five pounds. You know, and uh, it did actually. It was sixty pounds, but I knocked him down. You know. but it was full it looked great but actually when i got it and i was washing i realized i'd bought a bit of a joke it was full of glass fiber and rubbish and it looked good it shone on the forecourt it caught my young and inexperienced eye the holy spirit is not in the business of making you look good He doesn't do a botch job to get you through the M.O.T. test. No. For him, it's a nut and bolt, ground up restoration. You are better than brand new. Better than brand new. And he is able to do that because the work, the spirit, the power in you is the self, self, same spirit that rose Jesus That raised Jesus from the dead. You are a new creation. Yes, you look like, I look like the Chris Lane. Well, I'm a bit older and a a bit more prosperous now (laughs) than I was then. Yeah, it's Chris. You know, if you saw, if you knew me before I became a follower of Jesus, you'd know that it was Chris, I hope. But God is doing a work in me. He's not finished yet, but he's doing a work in me. And he's up for the job. So whatever the lie the enemy is working on in you, you're not good enough. You could never make it as a Christian. Or, you're, or whatever, you know, whatever that guilty secret is, or that predisposition to sin, or whatever that is that dogs you and drags you down, it will not finish you because God ain't finished yet. Someone say Amen. Thank you. You are a new creation. Let's just watch this lovely little video I found during the week and uh, savor this. I'm moving on from the problem. I'm moving into the solution. Thank you. Can we turn it up a bit, please? Let's give the Lord a little round of applause. Thank you. So many of you know where I'm going. There's the verse that actually captures this thought is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It's all happening this morning. Verse 17, therefore if anyone is in Christ... Anyone is in Christ. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. If anyone is in Christ. You know, when I first became a follower of Jesus, I I think I knew pretty well straight off that I was saved. I, I, I just had a wonderful, growing sense of God's love and favor towards me. And I think that... You know, is, 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 is part of the Christian heritage that we receive. I began to believe that I was loved. I began to believe that God was for me and not against me. All of that came relatively quickly. But I think I thought that it was gonna be at some great later date that I would suddenly arrive and I don't know get some heavenly badge saying you have arrived, well done. You graduate or something like that. Well, now I've realized that actually it's only when we die that we graduate. But actually, right from day one, God gives us his spirit and starts that work and sees us as a new creation. My mindset was working against that. It's changed now. I do mess up. You know, I've messed up this week. Fliss, I don't know what that would be, but Fliss will no doubt tell you. And don't ask her. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, I am a new creation. I stand before you as God's workmanship. I stand before you as somebody, a work in progress, the unfinished article, but none the less loved and appreciated and a son of God. And all of this is possible because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so we find ourselves in this place where, you know, we are beginning, it's beginning to dawn in us and upon us that, that actually God has done an extraordinary thing for, for us. I love what it says in Revelation, one of the, la- the last book of the Bible, Revelation 21, verses five and seven. Let's just throw that up on the screen. It says this, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. No botched jobs, no bits of filler here and a bit of glass fibre there. No kind of, you know, when you're buying cars, they talk about the the 10 foot rule. 10 foot away, most cars look great. It's when you get up close that they start looking horrible. None of that. What God does in us will bear close inspection. Even if the enemy does come sniffing around trying to find fault, God has done something wonderful in you. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. You are a new creation. You are a new creation. I want to finish with this. Needless to say, God has something in mind beyond our redemption and well-being. God has a purpose for us. Uh, and, you know, it would be reasonable to say, "Well, so, so what's it all for? Why, why has God done this? Now, we, we can think of a number of things. Um, possibly there is a series to be done here, but we can think of, of how Jesus prayed and asked that the glory that was in Jesus' life would be seen in his, in his followers. And so, yes, we are to bring glory to God. I, I love also what it says in Ephesians, where it says, you know, There's gonna be this point in time in the days to come when God is gonna display us. People will see us and they will go, wow, what a fantastic job God did in Chris Lane. Just as hopefully these guys who have these concourse cars, they display their cars and people walk around them and go, wow, what an amazing machine. We are being made for the display of God's glory. But in this second chapter of Ephesians, and I really want to, in in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I really want you to go home and read this. One of the main things that, that, that Paul is at pains to say is that in Christ, on the cross, what God was doing was reconciling his creation and us to himself through Jesus, reconciling, it means to make peace, and he then says, and therefore, because God has done this for you, and made you a new, you're now a new creation, you are to be peacemakers, and he says, I implore you, it's very strong language, be reconciled to God, yes, may that be your first priority. And if there's some tension between you and the Lord, if there's a little bit of a glitch, maybe, something, maybe you believe he's disappointed you and has not you know, come up with the goods, whatever the goods were. Or maybe you know, you know that you've been tugging against his loving compassion and discipline. And that's caused a bit of friction. You know, It happens to all of us at various times. What he says is, what Paul says is, you know, since you are a new creation, since that this has been bought at such a great price, be reconciled to God. And then he goes on to say, just as you are now ambassadors of truth, ambassadors of reconciliation. So the second thing is, as Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Be at peace with all men and women. I was watching a TV show. I was watching uh, this, this series called Billions. Some of you will have watched it. And where it is in the plot at the moment is that various things going on, but the, there's a, one of the, the central characters has fallen out with his father big time. And his wife basically implores his father to be reconciled to him and also implores her husband to go to her father his father and be reconciled. She's trying to make peace there. It doesn't work out too well, at least at this stage in the story. But this is a major issue in the world today. This is a 21st century issue. This is the kind of thing that you are facing at home, within your families, within your network of relationships, in your working relationships at the school gate, in the office, at the photocopier, in the staff room, wherever people are falling out with one another, there are breakdowns in relationships. That's why in a major series like Billions, it's a major thread, because this is something many of us can relate to. So I believe the spirits encouragement to us today. Since we are new creations, one of the great benefits of the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ, since we are a new creation, we are to take upon ourselves the responsibility of being ambassadors. Now you know what an ambassador is, of course. An ambassador is represents the country they've been sent from. You know, the, the consulates, wherever they are, are regarded as belonging. The land actually isn't in London or England. It's actually in, you know, Russia or Moscow or something like that. They are so, like a little sovereign state. And the, the ambassador represents everything that is part of his country to the, the nation that they are, have been sent to. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors of reconciliation. We are peacemakers. And I, why am I emphasizing this to you? I'm emphasizing it because I believe the Spirit said to me that there are broken relationships. You know, I, I'm just going to finish... With this thing, there is a broken relationship in my family, or or yeah. My, uh, as many of you know, I have a a half brother. My my mother, my father died when I was twelve, I think it was. My mother married in six months from after my father's death. It didn't do me a lot of good, and it didn't help when I had a half brother nine months later. Now at the time, we kind of muddled along, but in later years, it was difficult. Um, It was difficult for a number of reasons. There's nothing wrong with the bloke. He's a nice guy. But I've had absolutely minimal contact with him. And my mother's been dead for 20 years and my stepfather's been dead for probably eight years. But I felt the Lord speaking to me about needing to reach out And my immediate reaction was, why doesn't he reach out? Why is it going to be me? You know? I mean, I had to leave home at 16, and I went in the middle of a row. It was not much fun being in London on on my own at 16. Thank you very much. Why shouldn't he come and speak to me? And then I went, "Mm, sorry, Lord, that was a bit bit childish. It touched something in me, a little bit of a roar and a nerve. So anyway, I reached out to my my half brother, and uh, you know, it, it was difficult, but I, honestly, it was fine. He's a he's a sweet bloke, really. And so we've resolved to try and you know, he's going to come up and stay with us this year. But I've had to push through something. I've had to take the initiative. Now, folks, let the spirit just touch that little tender spot in you now, because we are ambassadors. Of reconciliation, we are called in the light of the resurrection, in the shadow of the cross, to be peacemakers. And let the Spirit—I'm just going to pause as the band comes up in just a moment. Just keep a moment's silence, just thirty seconds. And in that moment, I trust, I hope, I pray that the Holy Spirit will bring to you, to mind, people in your lives, your sphere of influence, whom you need to reach out to. Now they, like billions, it may not be accepted. That, that's how they accept it is their business. What you are to do, what I am to do, is to reach out because I'm a child of God, a prince in his kingdom, and we are in this wonderful mission Making Christ known, and therefore, as ambassadors, we make peace. Just nod. You've heard me. Good. So, can I have the band up? And why don't we all stand?